0: Where's it coming from?
1: Let's find out. Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Morgana. Tonight we're going to speak with Morgan Daimler. She's a blogger, poet, teacher of esoteric subjects, witch, priestess of the Dini Myth—I said it wrong—and the author of more than two dozen books, including *The Morrigan, Fairies, and Fairycraft*. Welcome, Morgan. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Thank you for coming. We've been excited to talk with you ever since we decided to do a podcast. (laughs) How did you come to your study of fairy lore? Because I'm extremely impressed with your output. (laughs) Uh, Over 20 books. And compulsive
2: book writing problem, yes. I don't think that's a problem. (laughs) I could definitely have worse problems, but it's a little bit yes. of a problem. <laughs> yes. How did you get into the fairy lore writing? Um, The writing part, I'll, I'll tell this story in two phases. Um, okay. Because we have the how I got into studying it and then how I got into writing about it. So when I was very young, I used to have experiences where... Um, you know, I would I would see these beings. I would, you know, and other things like, um, you know, ghosts as well. And I was lucky enough that my family was kind of amusingly accepting of it. Uh, like they didn't necessarily believe in it as much themselves, but they never discouraged me when I was talking about, you know, seeing fairies and, um. I actually at one point was writing notes and leaving them on the windowsill (laughs) for the fairies. I was a very interesting child. (laughs) Um, So I give my parents credit because they, um, they put up with a lot of stuff like that from me um, without doing what a lot of parents do, which is, you know, telling me it's nonsense and not real and, and all of that. So when I got a little bit older, when I was in my teens, I started really researching the, the folklore and the mythology that was written down because I, I think I needed some kind of context to put things into. Um, you know, my my family, my grandfather was from Ireland, so we had some Irish traditions and beliefs that were kind of passed down and, um, you know, some some other things along those lines. So I had a, a little bit of a framework, but not a lot. Um, And I think the ancestry aspect of it, my grandfather um, being who he was, is part of why I specifically sort of started focusing on the Irish. Uh, My best friend at the time, uh, this would have been when I was around 12, 13, 14, um, was also Irish. She'd been born in Ireland and then they'd moved over here. So sort of the combination of all of this. I really started looking into Irish folklore and Irish fairy lore and sort of what the beliefs were. So I would have some kind of way to understand things a little better. And what I found was a lot of the stuff that I was researching and reading really resonated with my own um, kind of forming beliefs and, uh, my own experiences. So it, it really helped me make sense of everything. And the more I got into it, it is definitely one of those subjects that there's so much to it. Um, the more you learn, the more you realize how little, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, it just, it just kind of sucked me in. So it became sort of a a passionate interest for me. Um, I think if I had been able to, I probably would have gone to school specifically to study that. Um, That didn't end up really being an option. But when I was, how old was I? 30, Um, right around 30 in uh, 2010, for everyone who wants to do some math and figure out how old I am now, (laughs) I had started writing as kind of a a project for a group that I belonged to and decided to self-publish sort of the results of that. And after I did that, I think I started to really think that, you know, maybe I could could actually be a decent writer. (laughs) Um, I'd always enjoyed writing in school, but I hadn't done it at that point you know, for a good 14 years or so. And I started blogging. And after I started blogging and had been doing that for um, about a year, year and a half, I was approached by a very, very small sort of niche publishing company to write a book for children, specifically 8 to 12, on the fairy faith, on fairies. And um, I did that. That's, sadly out of print now, a child's eye view of the fairy faith. But, um, that was when I think I really started to think, you know what, I think I can do this. And, um, I also started to think to myself, you know, I think I could add something valuable to what's out there because there's a lot of material that's already out there, but most of it has a very different perspective. Um, it's, you can't as easily find uh, the things that are based in the older fairy beliefs and practices whether that's Irish or Scottish or Welsh it's it's getting a little better now but particularly 11-12 years ago there really wasn't as much out there and a lot of what was on the market was uh, kind of sketchy
1: <laughs> to yeah. be honest
2: yeah um, yeah so you know, I think I just had one of those moments where I was like, somebody's got to do it. And it might as well be me. Um, and so I ended up uh, writing my first book with Moon Books, which is the publisher I've been with uh, since 2012. My first book with them came out in 2013. And, you know, it just turns out that I actually am not half bad at the writing. And I I do, in fact, uh, have a perspective that people seem to find interesting. So it just kind of took off from there, but still really passionate about studying the fairy lore and traditions and and getting that information out to people. Sorry, that was very long. No, that was a great answer. (laughs) You're allowed to
1: people hear us all the time. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to hear us all the time <laughs> they, they want to hear what you have to say it's um, definitely one of those mine.
2: questions that's hard to like You condense. know, condense yeah. <laughs> yeah you kind of yeah, have to get definitely. all that backstory in there right I sort of
1: asked you for your origin story if you were a superhero <laughs> so you know we, we have to you have to go with what you got Um, when you when you I know you do workshops. I know you teach people um, about the fairy faith. And what kinds of things do people want to learn about? And <laughs> how open are they to learning about it? Um, and what kind of preconceptions do people have?
2: You ask the most gloriously complicated questions. Yes. I so you'll never come back. You'll be like, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely will consider coming back if you don't hate me by the end of this. So oh. um, <laughs> to be totally honest, the, the question that I get asked the absolute most often across all forms of media is um, there's a really polite way to say this <clears throat> is about humans and fairies, Producing offspring. Well, that's a nice way to say that. So, there you um, go. Yeah, that's, that is my number one most commonly asked question <laughs> and subject. Um, I do find in teaching that most people are willing to listen. Um, they don't always agree, but um, they're willing to at least consider what I'm saying, which I appreciate. Uh, I mean, you're always going to have the the odd person here and there that is very, very set in a specific view, you know, and, and isn't willing to listen. But for the most part, the majority of people I encounter, I think, are um, reasonably open-minded, you know, willing to at least hear the folklore and, and what's out there and what the beliefs are. Um, I'm trying to think of what the third question was.
1: Oh, let's see.
2: <laughs> I I think I was winging oh, it. So. What was the most yeah. common misconception? Yes, that one. Um, I knew it would come to me if I just had a long enough awkward silence. So um, probably the most common misconception that I run into is people who are kind of basing their understanding of fairies on um, popular culture. And that's become a bit of a catch 22 vicious cycle kind of situation, because a lot of what we are seeing now in uh, books that are, are more spiritually aimed um, pagan books about fairies is heavily influenced by popular culture. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it kind of feeds back into itself um, and the popular culture view uh, there's, there's actually a lot of layers of misconceptions that go on here, but Probably the biggest one is that they're, they're kind of like that Disney Tinkerbell, the, the little tiny winged sprites, um, that that is specifically what a fairy is. Um, and people who are really strongly in that mindset, sometimes you kind of have to have a multifaceted discussion about uh, opening up to other possibilities relating to that word. So that, that can get a little complicated and some people are very set in, you know, in, in viewing it a specific way. Um, you know, the, the reality is when we look at the subject is it's, there's a lot of complexity to it and the word fairy um, historically and, and through today in, in most communities is used more as sort of a catch-all term. So, you know, yes, it does include the, the the smaller winged sprites, that sort of tinkerbell stereotype. Um, but it's also going to include beings that look fairly human but aren't. Um, water horses are a type of fairy. It looks can look like a horse or it can look like a person., um, they're one of the more dangerous ones., uh, so you just you have this whole range of different beings that kind of... We would categorize with the word fairy. And I think once people are kind of open to that idea that it's not this really specific concept, it's kind of a broader concept, um, then it gets really interesting.
1: That is a very excellent answer. And yes, Tinkerbell is, she's, oh, she's such a a, a difficult popular culture archetype we can't get rid of her (laughs) she's there
2: she is and she's she's actually a really interesting one if you look at her because she's gone through some evolutions herself um if you if you look at tinkerbell in barry's original book um peter pan she was pretty vicious yes Yes. (laughs) he was gonna Um, kill the Wendy bird Yep. Yep. And yeah, even in the original Disney movie, she was... I think they, they toned her down a little bit because it was a kid's movie, but um she still, she totally tried to get Wendy killed. <laughs> I know? think it helped that
0: they like made her not able to speak. Yeah. Because she was duplicious and tricksy and mean and temperamental in the book and the movie, but the movie... You miss a lot of that when you're a kid, <laughs> like yeah. you're like, oh, she's jealous and mad, so she turns red, and yep. it's like, no, she was shoot down the windy bird.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's she's little and cute. It must be okay. And I actually, I strongly suspect the way they did that in the movie, having her be silent, was a reflection of how they did it in the play, um, mm-hmm. because right. in the yeah, in all the stage productions, she was literally just reflected light off a mirror. <laughs> Yeah, you know that they would like flash around the stage Um, hard to give lines to that so um, but you know as we were talking about a little before the show had started I have three children and so I'm painfully aware of the modern version of Tinkerbell not from Uh, the older Disney movie yeah every parent out there with small children is now cringing and knows exactly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. And that's the like super cute, spunky, helpful, definitely can talk uh, version. Yeah, (laughs) Yes. It's a lot of opinions. Um, And that's the one that's gotten the, the more recent movies and you know, all sorts of things, but she's definitely a a very different Tinkerbell from the one in the book um, or the one in the older movie and i yeah. think that's that's sort of one way to kind of see that evolution of how popular culture has been treating fairies
0: i was going to ask a really basic question um, sure which was how prevalent do you think the fairy faith itself like the more i don't want i don't know if traditional or true the true fairy faith is today versus how prevalent it was historically because i know Historically, it was sort of self-defense to know as much as you could know about Mm -hmm.
2: them. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question. Um, I think if you look, um, not in the United States, because the United States is kind of a cultural amalgam of a lot of things. But if you look at the places that a lot of these beliefs originally come from, Iceland, Iceland. Ireland, um, Scotland, Wales, even England, um, English fairies are kind of a complicated topic in and of themselves. But if you look at all these places, uh, for at least the last three or 400 years, there's been this sort of perpetual idea that the fairies are leaving, um, sort of that leaving, but never gone kind of deal. So we have all of these stories and, um, poems about you know the the final retreat of the fairies the farewell of the fairies and every generation tends to have this attitude of well you know no one today believes this but my grandparents you know people their generation and um you know you'll still see people today saying things like that but that's literally what everyone has been saying for hundreds of years and (laughs) It's. It seems to be this attitude, partly because the Victorians really, really pushed fairies into um, the the area of children, so they became sort of something that people immediately associate in popular culture with um, children, uh, particularly, again, the, the Tinkerbell kind of fairies, but the whole subject in general, people tend to see it as being something that you know if you're a serious adult of course you don't believe in fairies. So i think that people who do believe in them oftentimes will kind of take this approach of you know i i'm not saying i believe in them but this is what i was always told you know by the people who do believe in them and it's it's sort of a a self defense a way to believe in it without Owning necessarily that you believe in it. But in a lot of these places, if you go, um, like if you go to Iceland and ask people, you know, do you believe in the Alfar or the Hold of Folk? Um, oftentimes people will say no, but they also won't deny that they exist. And right. you'll, you know, um, you'll see the same thing sort of in Ireland where people. Um, will be like, well, you know, of course I don't believe in that, but I'm not going to go up on that hill at night or, you right. know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to mess with that fairy tree. I'm not saying they're real, but I'm still not going to, you know, not going to do those they, things that historically, their bets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, again, this is something that f- people have said for, for hundreds of years this idea of even people who don't have any religion, even people who aren't like very spiritual people will still believe in fairies because they're seen as sort of part of the natural landscape or part of the the daily reality that people live with. So I think it's also to a degree less that it's something people believe or don't believe. And in some places it's just sort of accepted that like, you know, of course you're not going to go to that location at certain times. And of course you're not going to, you know, mess with that tree because it belongs to the the good folk and you just don't do that. So it's a little hard to gauge how much of the belief is still there um, because of all of this, which is why I'm giving all of this convoluted backstory here. Um, but I think that quite a lot of people probably do still have the beliefs or are aware of them Um, just not as many are willing to admit it
1: right yeah I like that
0: I can see that I mean these days it's a lot more popular to say well I believe in aliens than to say I believe in fairies and I'm not really sure why but I had to deal with I saw one when I was a kid so I just have this like well of course there are fairies and then Catherine Briggs happened to me and I was like (laughs) (laughs) oh yes
2: Catherine Briggs the the great saint of all who study fairy lore yes 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 I think I'm I'm slowly collecting all of her books it's a work in progress I think I have most of them yeah,
1: but not all of them, and I don't have all of her papers collected because that's that's hard to do. Um,
2: yeah, if if there's anyone out there listening to this in like academia who has this power, it would be really awesome if they would put out a book of her collected papers.
1: Yes, it Just would. Yes,
2: please. <laughs> I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put that, that wish be, out.
1: That would be amazing.
2: It really would.
1: Well, and when you grew up, Morgana, you also had me. You know, don't go into the woods. don't pick those berries. yeah um, you
0: you hammered um, in the the do's and don'ts um pretty early on.
2: See that's good parenting
0: i I think it was too, um honestly, because anything that couldn't be applied to normal human beings was no hurt harm to anybody. And a lot of the rules make sense. like don't talk to stra- don't talk to strange people. you run across in the woods. <laughs> Like you shouldn't do that, even if they're people.
2: <laughs> yeah, even if they're humans, that's true. Um, yeah, I think especially with children, it's it's a good idea um, to kind of give them those guidelines, uh, not just the common sense ones, but you know the the general, you know, how not to get taken by fairies. Guidelines. <laughs> I
0: I got those um, and. I'm honestly pretty glad about it because it's reflex at this point. Like I, if I'm going to go on a hike, I turn my socks inside out or turn a coat. Yeah. Um, and I have not been pixie led. I got pixie led (laughs) once, which is why I do it every single
2: time now. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I've had it happen. I think, I think twice there was a third time, but I'm a little unsure whether it was, I got pixie led or I just legitimately got lost. (laughs) entirely <laughs> possible that it was that second one um but yeah i've, I've definitely been pixie led at least twice it's not a fun experience
0: it's not it's really really disorienting and creepy
2: it is It is. If you, ha- ooh. Yeah, if you haven't had it happen i i don't think you can really describe to people how unnerving it is to be lost in familiar territory like you know yeah. where you are, but you don't. And
0: you somehow can't get out of the woods. Yep. And it doesn't make any sense. And it was a very surreal experience. And I was with somebody, so it was me and my uncle. Yeah. And... I realized something was up before he did and he was intent on not stick. We finally ran across a gravel service road
2: yeah.
0: and he was intent on turning around and going back into the woods. And I was like, <laughs> no. And he was like, he had like crazy eyes and was yeah. like, no, no, I know exactly where we're going. I'm going back no, in. And I, <laughs> I turned my flannel and inside out and like held on to him and was like, no, we are walking back. Along this road until we find another road, you are not
1: going back in the woods.
2: Yeah, that was that was yeah. probably the the smartest thing you
1: could have done. I know. I praised her for it greatly when they came late for dinner, yeah. <laughs> and then I looked at him and said, "How many times have I told you? Why did you not listen?" <laughs>
0: And I mean, I should have known better, too. It was one of the few times I went in the woods and didn't have my socks turned inside out, which is the easiest way to do the turn your coats. So you don't get pixie led" thing without everybody you're hanging out with looking at you funny. Yeah. You just do it before you go out. And it's I think it still works because it's a piece of clothing.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. no, Turning your socks is is a legitimate option for sure. And then yeah. I don't
0: have to explain it to, like, everybody and have them be like, ha, 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 you believe in fairies. And maybe like, yeah, I do.
2: <laughs> if y'all get lost, it's not my fault. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, one of, the, one of the best ways to guarantee you're going to get messed with is to say things like, ha, ha, ha. Right. I don't believe <laughs> yeah. in fairies. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I want none of this. I want yeah. none of this. <laughs> I don't know you Have people. some milk. Don't get me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's funny, actually, the first time I experienced being pixie led, I was with a big group of people um, and we were somewhere very familiar. Uh, it was basically the equivalent of one of the, the people's backyards, but it went up against a reservoir. So we'd kind of walked out towards the reservoir area and we were fine going out. Nice, like 15, 20 minute walk. No problem. It was coming back. That was the problem. We could see the lights from the houses because it was a little um, suburban residential development. But no matter how much we walked towards them, we couldn't get any closer. Oh, Yeah. And that, I don't recommend that at all. It was really not pleasant. And that Um, went on for a good half an hour Um, because it was much longer trying to get out than it had taken us to get in. Um, Hmm. And finally one of my other friends and I just started laughing and I don't even know why. To the, it was just, the whole situation was so ridiculous. Um, and we just started laughing and talking about how much fun this was. And <laughs> <laughs> we were enjoying the fairies doing this. Um, and uh, I think it was the middle of summer. So I had sandals on, so there were no socks to be turned inside out. But, and as soon as we started laughing, it's like you could almost feel it in the air, the change. Um, and then within mm. like a couple minutes, we were out. <laughs> yeah. That's. You must have spoiled the
0: fun. They were like, oh, they're not getting mad or scared. Yep. it sucks.
2: Yep. That's <laughs> what like I figure. As soon as we thought it was funny, they're like, no, joke's over. <laughs> but we're done. Uh, the humans always mess everything up.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The one time that it happened to me in a really stupid place. Um, I used to live here in Athens on a piece of land that had eight eight acres of woods. Okay. That's not much. That's really not much. And they the woods is a really misnomer it was really just a patch of woods mm-hmm. and then there was fields that that were mowed for hay so really it was a patch of woods and all kinds of stuff happened in those woods and you know we'd hear music coming out of there when we first moved into the house i was like oh there must be hippies near here <laughs> you know and and no it was all farmers we were the hip, we were the hippies that lived near there and uh there was no reason for there to be music coming out of those woods and uh wow. we i would go in there and if i went in by myself or just with my husband there i never had a problem mm-hmm. but when i took my friends in there were a couple of friends that were okay that the woods wouldn't get shirty about it but there were there, there was one evening I took people in and it was right at dusk, probably a bad time. Um, And the woods let us in just fine. And there was a path that um, had been there, you know, ever since we moved in, you know, since before we moved in. And we're following the path. And, and, you know, that Beltane later on, I, I discovered that wildflowers... The the night before Beltane bloomed, like this, this whole path, it was carpeted with little white wildflowers that I didn't even know what they were, um, nice. which is weird because I know my local wildflowers, um, which leads me to believe that that wasn't a human path. But yeah, something else going on. It, it hadn't done that at this point. So we go wandering through the woods. I knew those woods like the back of my hand. We're walking through. And it just got weird. It was this disorienting feeling of these trees don't look right. It doesn't feel right. It's not right, you know. And so I started to get nervous. Yeah. And we came out of the woods in a place that I had never come out before and was on the top of the hill. And there was a, almost perfect circle, which I did not let anybody step into, of really green grass that was uh, sort of sheltered by blackberry bushes. And I was like, don't you even think (laughs) of touching the blackberry bushes? And, you know, we stood there and a a friend of mine looked at me and he was like, "Um, I think this is where you hear the drums and the singing from. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I kind of think so too. We we need to get out of here. Yeah, and so we started to walk out, and one person, who I will not name, but he he reached out, and I don't know what possessed him, but he broke a twig of a blackberry bush, like he was going to take it with him, and I was like, put that down. Yeah, and. He was like, why? It's just a blackberry bush. And I'm like, mm. and I was like, just, and I, I said to the air, I'm sorry for him. I, 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 I won't bring him back. I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, let's go now. And I actually left some of my hair as an offering, just as, you know, I just reached up and pulled mm-hmm. out some long strands of hair and I was like, see, I'm, I'm really sorry here. Take this. and. uh we left, and we ended up meandering. We followed what we thought was the path, but it it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It should have been, but it starts meandering through these trees that I had never seen before, And I was like, "Oh, oh, I hate this. I really don't like it." And then the guy who broke the blackberry bushes everywhere he went, he got caught by thorns, yeah, um he got caught by um Wild roses or blackberries or, you know, just just thorn bushes that just happened to be there. Um, and so he ended up getting completely scratched up. And I was like, you deserved that. <laughs> and uh, we did finally get out. Um, but we ended up going off the path and just straight through the trees, which, you know, he was getting ripped to shreds. But we could get through the thorns just fine. It was just him. Yeah. I was like, okay, well. And he had long hair, so it was it kept catching in his hair and pulling his hair out. So I'm sure he left lots and lots and lots <laughs> of strands of hair for them.
2: Probably a little blood.
1: Oh, lots of that. He was yeah. he was pretty messed up. He was like, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, I know what <laughs> happened. Fool. Like that's
2: what you get when
1: you don't listen. Yeah.
2: Touching things. <laughs> What's wrong yeah, with that dark ring of gla- grass is definitely a classic fairy ring kind of description. Yeah, and I never went back there.
1: Yeah. I was like, nope, that's that's somebody's private business that's not mine and I'm not mm-mm. no.
2: No. Definitely smart.
1: <laughs> and- so for the benefit
0: of anybody who doesn't know much about fairy folklore could you explain some of the basics of the fairy faith
2: sure um now that we've meandered off onto this little yeah uh...
0: <laughs> maybe we can have a like a brief like, yeah not everything but
2: yeah so the fairy faith is a term that was coined um a little over 100 years ago Uh, by academics um, to describe the set of beliefs and practices that people who believe in fairies have. So it's something now in the last 20, 30 years that you'll see people saying that they, they belong to the fairy faith and they're part of the fairy faith. But generally, it's not a term that people before that would have, you know, if you were in Ireland 100 years ago, people wouldn't say they're part of the fairy faith. Um, you know, it's just, this is what you believe. This is kind of what everyone right. believes. Um, if you see what I'm saying. So the fairy faith, even though the word faith is in it, and mean, that's kind of a loaded word in English. Um, it's not a religion or a spirituality in itself. It's just that set of beliefs and practices relating to fairies. So anyone can um, practice or follow what we would now call the fairy faith. So, you know, you could be Catholic or Jewish or, um, pagan or a witch or Muslim or, you know, anything Buddhist. Um, it doesn't matter. It just, um, if you believe that fairies exist and you have these sort of older traditional ideas of how they would be interacted with, um, and, uh, what they are and what they're like. So, I suppose if I'm uh, being generous and, and kind, which I should be, even the pop culture, fairy beliefs and practices would fall into this, you know, general, general term. Um, usually when people talk about the fairy faith, they're talking about the older traditional beliefs and practices in places like Ireland um, or, you know, that sort of uh, Celtic language speaking uh, area of the world. And, uh, generally some of the main beliefs are of course fairies exist and are real, um, that they are beings that are diverse, uh, which we already touched on a little bit, that they can influence humans, um, and affect humans for good or for ill. So, um, for example, if one, takes a liking to you or you do them a favor or you know anything along those lines they can um, heal illnesses they can bring good luck uh they can um, influence your life so that money comes your way Uh, they can also give you money but usually if they give you money it's not what it looks like and then it turns into leaves or gingerbread or something else fun like the next day but um you know, they can do these positive things for people if they're inclined to. If you upset them or offend them or anger them, or you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, depending on which sorts of fairy beings we're talking about, they can also cause illness. Um, They can cause madness. Uh, They can just straight up kill people. There's a lot of folklore around that. Um, They can uh cause a lot of bad luck um so sort of any any positive thing they can do for you if they like you they can do the opposite of that if they're upset um by you or with you so when we look at the actual practices associated with the fairy faith a lot of them fall into this sort of range of trying to either ward off and protect against these beings or um, sort of make sure that you're on friendly terms with them. And most people would do both of these things at the same time. So iron is a pretty well-known and common uh, defense against the fair folk. does not work against all fairies, but it's sort of the most commonly recommended one. It works against a lot of them. And uh, you'll see people with, uh, for example, an iron horseshoe up over their door Um, the the Norse equivalent, I think, is uh, an iron nail in the lintel of the door. Um, Things like that to kind of ward and protect the home from any ill-willing fairies coming in. You would also see things like leaving out cream or milk or butter. Um, Fairies across the globe pretty much are fairy-like beings, what we would call fairies in other cultures. Uh, pretty much around the world, if it's a culture that has dairy, that has milk of any milk from any animal, um, the the fairies or the fairy-like beings in those places, they all seem to really like dairy products. So that's a very common offering that we find kind of all over the place. Um, so things like you know leaving out that sort of thing for them um specific times or once a week. Uh, I'm trying to think cake, bread would be other common offerings, traditional. Um, so we, we sort of see this balance between like protecting against them. Um, the things like turning your coat or your socks inside out if you're being pixie led uh, falls in that kind of range of protections. Um, combined with this idea of like appeasing them or, or giving them something to kind of be on good terms with them, um, and that's sort of the the crux of it of the fairy faith uh, in the broad strokes. There's specific people within that, um, and th- this is as far back as we basically have records of anything that have always been kind of specialists dealing with. Uh, fairy-related problems, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, and these are people who would know how to um, how to tell if it was fairies uh, causing you issues, what to do to fix it, um, that kind of thing. Um, fairies in most of these traditional cultures are very well known for, for stealing humans, um, for taking humans. That's why I was talking earlier about it's a good thing for children to know kind of the the general protective guidelines, um, because uh, the good folk, the fairies, um, in, again, a multitude of different folklore, uh, they're known to take children, they're known to take newly married people, um, brides or grooms, um, they're known to take pretty much anyone that they find particularly interesting or um, useful to them. So we see these sort of specialists in the the fairy faith communities that know how to potentially get that person back, and we have all sorts of stories of um, people who are recovered, people who aren't recovered. Uh, you know, it's sort of a, a common theme, if you will. Um, I think that's I think that's the broad strokes for the fairy faith, unless Thank I'm you. missing something. <laughs> You yeah, explained
0: it much more succinctly than I would have. Yeah, yeah. It, it I, is I, a lot to cover.
1: <laughs> I think you got the important bits. You know the the sort of guideline, what to and
2: not to do. <laughs> I always try to emphasize to people too that it's not, it's not its own specific spirituality. So you don't have to like give up whatever religion you belong to now. To to join this this other thing, it, it's something that's always been meant to be part of or adapted to um, really any belief system. As long as you acknowledge fairies are real, you're you're good to go. So when
1: you hear from people who experience fairies, see them, hear them, get pixie led by them, <laughs> you know what. Is there a commonality among people? Have you noticed? Um, is there a common, I don't know, belief system or ethnic background? Or d- does it just appear to be they they see fairies and there's no <laughs> other linkage?
2: Um, I think there's two layers to this. So there certainly are some people who are just naturally inclined to see these beings. Um, in, in the Irish, it's called second sight. Um, and these are people who just have a, an innate ability. Um, and not just to see fairies, but other phenomena like ghosts. Um, there's just something in that person from birth, uh, that lets them, I guess we would say like tune into a wavelength that other people can't perceive as easily um, or, you know, necessarily at all. So you certainly have that. Um, and with those people, it's, there's no other common factor to it. Um, Reverend Robert Kirk wrote about this in his um, 1691 book, the secret commonwealth of elves, fawns and fairies. So I highly recommend to people um, it's it's kind of one of those foundational things to read if you're interested in the subject. Um, I would personally recommend if you if you do decide to take up my little book reference, look for Brian Walsh's um, "The Secret Commonwealth and the Fairy Belief Complex," because the original, uh, as I said, was written in 1691, and the language is a little difficult for yes. most English speakers. <laughs> Yeah, it's written in Scots, um, which is, depending on how good you are with with dialects and, um, and that sort of thing, can be either difficult or kind of impossible to get through. Yeah. Um, Brian Walsh has the complete text of it in his book, and he also puts it into context and kind of discusses all of it. So. Um, I, I do recommend that one if people are interested in it, but in Kirk's book, he talks quite a bit about fairies, of course, uh, mostly the premise of the book, but he also talks a lot about people who have the second sight and, um, his theory was that it's mostly men that have it. I I think that was a little bit of bias coming through on his part. yeah a little bit of that 17th century misogyny (laughs) you know like if women are seeing fairies they're witches and you should kill them but (laughs) if men are seeing them (laughs) right if men are seeing them they just have the second sight and that's (laughs) something else so um but it is really interesting if if you're interested in fairies or more about the second sight historically um kirk's book is a good way to go So we definitely have that aspect of it. People who just are naturally inclined to see them. Um, they also, the the fairies in general seem to be drawn to certain types of people, um, particularly artists of any sort. Um, so musicians are a big one. Um, and you will find so much folklore out there about fairies and musicians. Um, fairies inspiring musicians uh they say that uh trillo who is a famous i think he was 17th century irish composer um that he a lot of his music was based on he had slept on a fairy hill and he he'd heard it and was repeating it um you see lots of stories along those lines and they're also really well known to borrow musicians and give them back, which is a little unusual. Generally, if they take humans, they don't just return them. Um, Musicians, though, they just seem to have a real uh a real attraction to. I've noticed with people who who come to me that are having fairy issues or um situations that they need help with, a lot of times, if it's not a case of kind of like your friend in the the story you just told Barbara um, with the being pixie-led who broke the branch when he shouldn't have and then had a lot of bad luck until you got out of the woods. Um, if it's not a case of someone who has done something to offend or upset them and you know sort of brought it on themselves in that way, a lot of times it seems to be it's a person who is... Um, musically talented or artistically talented or a writer or a poet or creative in some sense. Um, and I just want to kind of emphasize, it's not always what we would traditionally think of as like an artist. Um, but any, any person who has that sort of extra creativity to them, if you know what I'm saying, yeah, um, they, they seem to really be drawn to that and, uh, doesn't always work out well for the human. Um, and of course most of the time when I'm, um, when I'm being contacted and people are are coming to me with things, it's because it's not working out well (laughs) for the human. (laughs) Um, and I'm kind of trying to help them. So there, there might be a lot of people out there that do not have problems necessarily from this, but it, it does seem to be a pattern that I've really noticed. Um, well, I'll tell you a quick story. So I was in Ireland in 2016 with a small group of people and we were staying at this one place in Boyle, which is um, near Sligo, basically. And um, it was a nice kind of wooded area out to one side. And one of the gentlemen who's with us is a musician and he had decided to go out for a little walk Uh, just after dark and he came back and was telling us about the um, voices he was hearing in the woods who were inviting him to go join them. Mm. And I was like, well, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Don't go. Um, And then we kind of had to have a little crash course in like why we don't follow strange voices into the dark woods at night Mm -mm. in Ireland. Um, And also, you know, quick and efficient ways to protect yourself when things like that happen. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that location for the record was a really interesting place. Um, speaking of fairy rings, the the first night we were there, I had gone out and I had put a little bit of cream and butter out just as a sort of like, hi, you know, let's, let's be on good terms. Let's be friendly because I'm new here sort of thing. And when I went out the next morning, there was a fairy ring in front of where I had left everything by this fence um this ring of dark grass and i so i had to go in and tell everyone after i had told them like if you want to put out a little something for the good folk here like this is the place to go i had to go back in and be like yeah don't go there <laughs> don't listen to me because you'll have to walk through this fairy ring to get there and don't do that I, that's, oh not good, <laughs> that's not a good it's not a good choice
0: that was a good snare right there that they set (laughs)
2: there's also
0: if i'm not mistaken there's also a sense of they're always like sort of right next right there like right next door conceptually so they they hear yes um that, that story makes me feel as if they listened when you said that <laughs> and were like, we're going to put one right here and hope people wander yep. into it.
2: Yep, I would not be surprised at all if that's what happened. Yeah, and I should say after I've spent like almost an hour using the word fairy, um, you're actually not supposed to use the word fairy. You're supposed to use euphemisms, um, good folk, good neighbors, fair folk, shining ones, because the word fairy, it's thought, offends them they don't like it um and leading into what you had just said the idea is that because they can pass invisibly to most humans they could be around at any time um mm-hmm. and if they hear you saying things they don't appreciate like the word fairy or that you don't believe in them or you know laughing at people who do believe in fairies uh to tie into something we'd said a little bit earlier they might decide that You need an objective lesson in why you should not talk that way. So, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely an old belief that they they could be around at any time. It's very much that like Big Brother is watching, but fairies. Yeah, yeah. I tend to call them folk. Yeah, generally. I I do in my personal life. Um, it's a habit. When I'm teaching or, you know, like talking with you to the public, because I know that most people um, don't know. So if you say the word fairy, they understand what you're talking about. Right. Um, If you use the euphemism, sometimes it can be confusing for people, Um, especially because it's not just one term. It's, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. So. But just just so people know, you're actually not supposed to say that. (laughs) <laughs> We're living yeah, I dangerously. I, <laughs> yeah,
0: I also try in general not to say it. Yeah. Um again, I I grew up learning the do's and don'ts as a wee child. <laughs> yes, I so started young. You did. Um and so I tend to go with the gentry or the good folk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um the gentry just cuz it's short.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Yeah. As for oh. them listening or being about invisibly, that's that's where I had my experience with a little winged Tinkerbell-ish looking creature. Um it started as lights in the woods and a lot of us were mm. seeing them. Okay. And they were little, like will o' the wisp types of things. Yep. And I wasn't the first one to see them. Uh, The first people to see them called me and were like, there are lights in the woods. And I'm like, that's (laughs) okay. And they were like, they're not fireflies. I went, well, okay. What do they look like? And they're like, well, they look like Christmas lights, but they're moving and they're all different colors. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's new. Um, They were like, what is it? I said, well, you know, don't say the F word, but. It sounds like will o the wispy types of things. You know, I was like, but I mean, I don't know. But they were like, w- would you come over and look at it? And I'm like, well, okay. By the time I got there, they were gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But later that week, a bunch of us were together at this couple's house. And in the woods, it looked like somebody was moving little Christmas tree lights. They looked like <laughs> they looked kind of like LEDs. But not quite that bright, And they move. They were like bobbing about and floating. And they were colors that fireflies just can't be like orange and red and blue. and you know, so we we watched those for a while, and I was like, wow, that's 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 interesting. You know, don't go in the woods when that's happening. Just <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever it is, just it's probably not great. Just don't go out there don't say the f word and you know maybe leave some milk in a saucer down the hill near the edge of your yard and and hope for the best and then you know a week later i get a call from another set of people and they're like the lights are over you know in the woods near our trailer i'm like oh that's that's nice um and they said and then there's like a glowing looking figure out here and i was like a glowing looking figure out there. That's uh okay. What <laughs> size is it? And they were like, "Uh short human size." I'm like, "Oh, I really don't like that." And they they were like, "Should we give them something?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, don't don't I'm not worried about him coming into your house because one of them was a Blacksmith." And there was iron all over that house and he had the horseshoe nails and the horseshoe and the door. And I'm like, I'm not worried about it coming in, but if you want to give them something, you know, do you have any milk? I don't have milk. Is whiskey okay? I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. Give them that. And he did. And, and he was all clever about how he did it to, you know, see if there would be footprints and whatever it was who took it, did not leave footprints and did consume it. Mm-hmm. And turned the uh, glass upside down. So whoever it was, was very precise about it. And finally, you know, basically every time this group of friends got together, we'd see the lights. Except my husband. He never saw them. Um, which was, it irritated him to no end. Especially since he was the musician in the group. Um, but one night, it was 4th of July weekend. And we were sitting on the deck. We'd been watching the lights and uh, everybody else decided to go play with sparklers out in the front yard. And I don't like fireworks or anything like that. So I was like, "Eh, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to sit here. So I was singing and a friend was with me. Who's a very quiet person um, named Dave. He's, he's passed on since, but he was sitting with me and, and I was singing to them. And he realized that they were coming closer. So he said, really quietly, he's like, yeah, keep singing. And I'm like, okay. <sighs> you know, so I kept singing and they kept getting closer and closer. And at, at this point, my voice is starting to get kind of like seized up because I'm like, they're getting closer. I don't know that this is a good idea. And he was like, no, keep singing. So one of them, which was an orange light, bobbed close and it turned on about six feet from us and it looked like there was a moth inside of the ball of light it looked like a white winged moth a big one and it didn't look like any kind of moth that i know from or it, it was you know it should have been like the size of a, a luna moth but it, i don't know of any white ones around here that are that size mm-hmm. so I, I was like oh oh dear You know, and then it bobbed closer, and at this point, it was about three feet from us. The light went out, and then it went back on, and there was a little naked woman with wings inside the light, at which point I stopped singing. (laughs) Um, because I, I was like, oh no. And my friend grabbed my arm. He was not a touchy guy. You know, he was not a grabby sort of person, but he grabbed onto my arm really tight and I didn't say anything. And, but what I felt was a direct communication and it was like being slapped in the face. It wasn't a physical thing. It was a, a knowledge thing. And there weren't words. Mm -hmm. But it was referring to something I had said three days earlier. My husband and I owned a metaphysical bookstore. And we had a uh, discussion group that met every Thursday. And that Thursday, we had been discussing the F word. We had been talking about the good folk. And I was explaining to people, don't use the F word. Um, and you know, this is what you do and this is how you appease them and turn your clo you know, turn your coat inside out, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And somebody had said something, why are you so afraid of them? They're like, you know, they're just these little winged creatures. And I said, oh, they're not little cute things with wings. They're not harmless. You know, even Tinkerbell wasn't harmless. She tried to kill Wendy for God's sake. You know, the these are not these are not creatures to trifle with. They aren't little cute things with wings. They mm-hmm. are something much older and wilder and grander than what you seem to think they are. You know, you've been looking at those flower fairy books and stuff and it's messed with your mind. I was like they don't look like that. What I got from this creature hovering like three feet from my face was, hey, lady, I can look like what I want to. (laughs) You can't tell me what I look like. And uh, don't do it again. And I I was horrified. I was absolutely terrified. And when I could move, I grabbed onto Dave, just like he was holding onto me, and we ran through the house. (laughs) We just went in the back door through the house, out the front door, and then stood on the porch staring at our friends with our mouths moving, but no sound coming out yeah. because we were in a state of shock. They were like, what's wrong with you? And honestly, I didn't tell anybody but my husband for a year. Yeah, And Dave and I didn't even talk about it. He was like, did you see that? I said, no, and neither did you. We, we didn't see anything. No. <laughs> but don't say the F word, whatever you do. <laughs> Because these little boogers have
2: been listening, <laughs> yeah, that's an intense experience for sure. Um, and i I have to watch myself, and I admit it. Um, I can be prone sometimes to a bit of hyperbole, and <laughs> i do I do tend to go kind of very similar to what you had said to that person in your group. With the, you know, they don't look yeah. like that. That's not what they are. And that's not entirely true. Um, You know, there, there certainly is a percentage of them that can look like that or do look like that. Um, so I try to remember now to say they can look like that. But the yeah. majority of them... Do not. Yeah, are more diverse. Um, and as you know, because that's kind of what brought us to even doing this show tonight, um, I had a very similar kind of experience, um, which I was telling our our mutual friend, uh, Josh Cutchin about in a different context, um, where my friend owns a a pagan occult sort of store, (laughs) and- um, Yeah. yeah. It's a thing that people do. It's it's not a bad thing to have. Um, and this was probably a good 20 years ago now. And it was midsummer, and there we'd had a a group um, after the store had closed and people had left at this point. So it was a good probably like nine, nine thirty. The sun had said it was dark. Um so actually it was probably closer to 10 that late in the summer. And it was just me, my friend who owned the store, and a mutual friend of ours, um, coincidentally also named David. So maybe it's oh. something about guys <laughs> named David. Wow, um, <laughs> the universe is a strange place. So <laughs> the three of us were just kind of finishing cleaning some stuff up, and uh, it was nice weather. The door was open, and this is not a big city um, for the area we live in. It's considered a bigger city, but you know it's like forty thousand people. Um, it's not super urban. Um, And We're kind of on the outskirts, but as we're cleaning up, this big, like bat-sized moth comes in the door, white, completely white. Um, I had never seen a moth that big ever, Um, which is what caught my attention. And my friend, of course, who owned the store was immediately like, you know, what are we going to do? We have to get out of here. And then our friend David was like, did you really take a good look at that? Oh, and so I kind of stopped and and got a little closer and looked and it, sure enough, where the little moth body would have been if it was a moth, it was like a little man, Um, you know, two two arms, two legs, definitely humanoid, but with these big white moth wings. Um, And I was like, well... (laughs) Okay. Like I, at the time I remember just thinking like, I don't even know what to do with this now. Like I'm pretty sure it's kind of rude to chase a fairy out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Probably not cool. (laughs) Right. Uh, But we can't leave it in here because that doesn't seem okay either. That's, that's a bad plan Um, too. I mean, right. So I, I was, I was, I was frozen in that moment of indecision. Like what, what does one do when a, you know, bat-sized moth fairy flies into your store um and my friend was who owns the store was upset because she was trying to figure out like what are we going to do how are we going to get this out um i can't close the store when this in here (laughs) no i mean ask it if it needs to buy anything i I feel like that's the politest thing to do maybe right um And it was kind of fluttering up. It's a recessed door and there's big picture windows to each side. And it was kind of up towards the ceiling, but around the area of the front door and the ceiling and by one of the picture windows. And and finally our friend David just kind of pointed at it and was just like, you, uh, in this very, you know, annoyed sort of, sort of (laughs) voice. But as soon as he pointed at it and said something, it just dropped straight down into the front window display. And so then, of course, we all kind of rush over because we're thinking, well, now we have to figure out, like, where did it go? It's a window display. So there's some merchandise in it and, you know, decorations and things. And it was just completely gone, completely gone. Um, And this was not something that was small enough that it could (laughs) just hide. Right. Like, it, it, there was nowhere for it to go as big as it was. Oh. Um, and it, it disappeared, and we never found it. It was just mm. gone. Um, yeah. So that was... Mm. And it's, when you're describing the little naked woman with the wings, I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, saw, I saw the boy version of that. Wow. That is... Yeah. And it does great. make your brain stop. It does. It's it's a little uncanny valley, I think. Yeah, like there's there's something about it when you're seeing it in front of you in waking life that your brain just doesn't like trying to process. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, the other things I've seen have been not quite as solid looking as she was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, some of them have been solid looking, but but she was. Re- I mean, she was right there, and that was oh. That wasn't what I expected. And then, you know, to get that sort of visceral communication was just, wow.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I can imagine.
1: Just seeing that right in front of you is just kind of, yeah, as you say, it's uncanny valley.
2: Yeah. Yeah, our brains, uh, you know, maybe it is an evolutionary thing to do with fairies that there's just a part of your brain that's like, this is not okay. (laughs)
0: I I see memes about that, which I know that's like a silly thing to reference, but there's there's random people on the internet all the time are like, why do we do the uncanny valley? Is it because at some point there was something that looked human but wasn't? Yeah. And I'm just over here like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> or it was a fear of the dead, but it could be yeah. both. It also it could be. It
2: the dead and the gentry have a link to yeah yeah a very complicated link yeah that's that's another fun topic to get into sometimes with people
1: yeah that one's a that's a that's a deep and
2: convoluted
0: that's like of, a whole episode yeah it
2: really is big one Um, There's a lot of questions with fairies now. When people ask me, my response is like, "Well, it's complicated." (laughs) 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 Like, how much time do you have? (laughs) Right. You
1: you got a week. Sit down. Let's.
0: (laughs) I wish I had seen one with wings. I don't really. The one I saw was a little man Mm -hmm. who. He looked like a bird out of the corner of your eye, but when I turned to look at him, he was a little man Mm -hmm. with pointed furry ears and a green cap with a red feather. And he was about the size of a gray squirrel if he stood all the way upright. And he had like a red squirrel tail, but a, a brown waistcoat and a jacket on with tails but squirrel legs and he was hopping along the side of this ravine and I was walking across a stream on a log <laughs> and I was about 12 and I whipped my head around and I made a noise yeah, and all of a sudden he turned and he realized I saw him and he started bounding, hopping away and I slipped and fell for no reason into the creek. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked up and he was gone. And then I started running home to my mom ma- to mom to tell her and a rotten piece of a tree branch came flying like up and from the side out of a tree at me yeah which missed and I just I didn't think about that until I was explaining this to I think Tim Renner and I got home and I'm like mom and the first thing she said of course was why are you soaking wet <laughs> and I was like no I saw a thing.
1: <laughs> right? And you didn't believe me not at first because you had that was your last set of clean clothes. And so. she had
0: she had threatened me with being in trouble if I kept coming home wet and muddy. And I'm just like thanks for making me slip and fall little <laughs> squirrel man. <laughs> that was my punishment for seeing you.
2: Yeah, well, that and getting he, the branch thrown at you.
0: Yeah, I was not yeah. supposed to have seen him. I think he must have had a glamour up because he looked like a bird out of the side of my eye until I turned. Yeah. And then he was very much not a bird. Yeah. Like, he had buttons on his waistcoat. Like, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: That's the kind Just of thing... He was a snazzy
1: dresser. That's the kind of thing where your brain latches on to things. Like, the buttons on the waistcoat. Why? He had a bigger?
0: he had a little pocket. He had a little pocket no pants. He had squirrel leg, red squirrel legs and a red squirrel tail and red squirrel ears and a hat and a human face. And I, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was the strangest little thing. And like I was 12. Like it's not that I didn't believe in them. I totally believed in them. But a lot of the things I had seen up until then had been more misty looking or just Mm. lights or something. It had not been a solid as a real squirrel little man.
2: Yeah. Well, that would startle anyone. Right?
0: And I don't know if I was startled and that's why I slipped or if I slipped because... He was like, Oh, hell no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you fall in the creek and get in trouble, child. Yeah. I, I think that was that way when you got home, you couldn't go back out because we had to wash your clothes. Yeah. Yes. You couldn't go digging around in his business because they don't mm-hmm. always like to be seen.
0: I consider now that I'm older, I consider that I got off lucky for seeing one when it didn't probably want to be seen because I'm not blind. <laughs>
2: yes yeah. or something worse yeah i was just gonna say falling in the creek was definitely probably the best punishment yes. option
0: it really was yeah. and i didn't get hit by with the the trunk of log which was about three feet long and about an eight inch diameter
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what you told me
2: well i'll tell you a quick story um which your your vlog getting thrown at you reminds me of, because I, I talk to a lot of people who tend to take the belief that um, you know fairies won't hurt you, that they're mm. they're kind of harmless and safe or helpful or mm. or what have you, and even if they might hurt an adult, that they they would definitely never hurt children. And I always try to be really clear to people that you definitely want to get that out of your head not that they're necessarily just maliciously out attacking children per se, most of them, but um, you know, you don't want to start thinking that, that just because it's a child, they're somehow immune or safe um, from things. And this is again, why it's good to start kids young with knowing the proper way to to do things and be respectful. So this happened a few years ago. Uh, my son Uh, who's my youngest child. He was probably four at the time, three or four, because he wasn't in um, all day school yet. And we were outside waiting for the school bus for my middle child, I believe, who would have been in elementary school at the time. And we have a tree in our yard that belongs to the good folk, which is a whole very long story in and of itself. But I've always told the children, since they were very small, like you, you respect that tree, you leave that tree the heck alone, you know, don't mess with it. And my four-year-old had kind of gone over near the tree and his sister was the one who was like, oh, you know, don't leave the tree alone. It's the fairy tree. And he kind of looked back at us and was like, I don't believe in fairies. They're not real. Mm. And I was like, oh, buddy. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) Especially, don't say that by the tree. And I'm like, "You, you definitely should believe in them. They are real. And he started coming back towards me. And he had been, say, 15 feet away. And he got maybe five feet closer to me when about a three or four foot long piece of oak branch fell exactly where he'd been standing when he said it. Um, I mean, at that point he was a few feet away, so it it didn't hit him, but it clearly was a not subtle warning. Yeah. That's a warning shot across the bow right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Um, and I took both the children and went and stood in the doorway of the house until the bus came for my daughter. Cause I was like, yeah, we're not (laughs) going to stand in the yard anymore. And we had a very serious conversation about why we don't say things like that. Um, and it scared him, of course, because, um, you know, he had he had just said it and I had just said, we don't say things like that. You're going to make them angry, you know, and saying that. And uh, Yeah. And then as soon as I said, you're going to make them angry, if you say things like that, this, you know, tree rancher was probably the same size that he was foul. Oh. Um, right where he had been standing. It's honestly scared me quite a bit for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um but I think it scared him as well cuz he has never said that again.
1: <laughs> Good.
2: He yeah. learned his lesson. He did. Well, almost being, you know, bludgeoned by a large tree branch will do that yeah. to a child. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's See, that's that's creepy.
1: And Yeah. And it yeah, was. so when people I had one person, I was telling the story about the little lights, and um, I told the story about the little winged lady, and she said, I would love to see those. And I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. Yes, it's beautiful. They really are beautiful, but they're uncanny, Mm -hmm. and they're not supposed to be there. And if you talk about it with certain people, they're going to, you know, think that you're crazy. And away you have to go to, you know, the special hospital mm-hmm. and, or they'll just, you know, not believe you and make fun of you. And that gets old really quick. And they're not, they're not part of our normal everyday reality anymore. So it's not a comforting thing
2: to see. Yeah. You know, it's I think crazy. even when they were part of our reality they probably weren't a comforting thing to see. Yeah. No,
1: probably not. Not yeah. not
2: <laughs> the accounts that, you know, you read. Yeah. I think they're kind of like a
0: storm. Like you know thunderstorms are beautiful, but they're also dangerous and yeah. yes, you can predict them within certain parameters. Like you've got the you've got the rules on how to not get stolen as a child. But you still you don't know where the lightning's going to strike, and it's still really, really dangerous, even if it's gorgeous.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I love thunderstorms when I'm inside. They do, da- right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. watching them from my porch with an awning
0: overhead. Yeah. I like seeing the lights in the backyard every spring and every autumn from my porch. And then when they get way too close, I'm like, okay, time to go inside. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that still happens once there's about a two-week period every spring and a two-week period every autumn where I get them at my house in town still. Yeah. Um, and Whatever they are. I don't know what they are. I think I know what they are. And I, I tend to be like, okay, let's leave something out for them. And if they drift too close to the out, the garden on the deck, I go back in the house. And I shush my boyfriend when he's like, oh, what are you worried about? I'm like, just don't start. <laughs> don't start. <laughs> don't start. Or yeah. I lie and I say, it's Bigfoot I'm worried about, or it's raccoons. So he can be like, oh, there aren't raccoons out there, or "Oh, Bigfoot isn't real. <laughs> because then at least he's not being like, he's not real. real.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot of people... um you know, even if they've had experiences with, you know, what we'd say maybe the the smaller, more pleasant, that sort of garden fairy type of being. Like, you don't really grasp, I don't think, what these things are until you've encountered one of the really uncanny ones or one of the really scary ones. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is... i
0: I had one that scared the bejesus out of me that I don't think I'm ready to tell on air <laughs> because yeah. it
2: scared the crap out of me as a child. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll tell you a story. I'm I'm full of stories by the way and shenanigans and other nonsense, but, um, this happened a few years ago. Uh, my husband at the time, um, he, he believes in these sorts of things, but it's sort of that um, passive kind of belief. Um, you know, he, he believes in it, and he's definitely cautious with it, but he also doesn't engage much with things. And at the time, um, he used to smoke, so he would wait until the kids went to bed, and then he would go stand outside and smoke a cigarette. And, um, I obviously, I don't smoke, so I didn't go with him. I was inside and he went outside. And the next thing I know, he comes flying back in the house. Eyes, the size of quarters, super freaked out. I'm thinking, okay, maybe there was a coyote. Cause we have coyotes and, um, fisher cats and things like that around here. Um, cause that would be unnerving. To run into in the dark, um, and communities yeah. can be very assertive. So I'm like, well, "What happened?" And he said he went outside, and he was standing about halfway between our house and the road, and he started hearing the sound of a horse on the concrete, like oh. horses' hooves on the concrete, and like the noise that um, bridles and saddles will make. Oh! And he looked out towards the road, and he saw a pair of red eyes um like you know 6 7 feet off the ground looking at him oh no and he said he has never gotten back inside a building so fast in his life um he just he turned and ran and he a reasonably you know tough guy he he's been in a heavy metal band he's a drummer you know um implying a lot of stereotypes here about heavy metal <laughs> bands and drummers but <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh, yeah and he he would not go outside after dark by himself for about six months after that happened i don't, I don't blame him no yeah he was like nope 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 nope
1: <laughs> so yeah. that especially the part about the bridle and the saddle sounds mm-hmm. um yeah. when we still lived in the the little house where we were living when when i saw the little lady creature those woods we kept seeing lights and that's where we've we had the 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 ring up in the woods so there was always stuff happening um one night it was a full moon night or close to it my husband and i were almost asleep and we heard the sound of horses' hooves running through our yard it was multiples of them and we both jumped up out of bed and looked out the window because who the heck is riding through our yard in the middle of you know in the in the night right and it's bright moonlight so we could see everything and we could hear bridles jingling. We could hear the squeak of saddles. We could hear the horses' hoofs, but we heard no human sounds, no people mm-hmm. sounds, nobody talking, nobody calling. And we didn't see anything. Yeah, and they were right going right past the window. Like we could hear it even had the the whole, you know Doppler effect of, you know, as it, yeah. as it gets farther away, it gets quieter. And they rode up the hill, and I was just like, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I'm like, well, you haven't seen him, but there you go. (laughs) He was like, yeah, that was, so so you're telling, with the squeaking of the, yeah, I would have run in the
2: house, too, especially with the eyes. We didn't see those. Yeah, yeah, he just happened to, and we live in the suburbs, by the way, so nobody has horses. Um, Oh, in our immediate area there are horses in town but not not like we're in the area we live in um so it's it's not something you normally hear (laughs) no at any time around here no No.
1: yeah and and the little detail of the hearing the tack you know my husband said that was the part that really got to him Mm-hmm. Because his first wife was a horsewoman, so he knows those sounds.
2: Yep. That and was, leather jingling.
1: Yeah. It you know, because
2: otherwise
1: we'd be like, well, maybe there were deer running past the other side of the house. And somehow it sounded like you could hear. Eh. But no, no, it was clearly riders. Yeah. And yeah. Mm. Oh. I feel bad yeah. for him. Because if I'd seen those red eyes, I, I don't, well, I would have run for the house. That's what I would have done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I knew but, as soon as he came in that something, you know, something significant had happened. I, I, like I said, naturally initially assumed it was, you know, like wildlife related. But as soon as he was telling me, I was like, oh, I'm really glad you ran. because Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because who that-
1: or whatever <laughs> that was, was not a kindly... No. Individual. No, running inside was the good choice. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And not looking behind you on the way.
2: Yep. Yep. No, and he didn't didn't look back. No ran right in, locked the door. (laughs) Yep. And would would not go outside after dark for it was definitely a good six months. So that's that's creepy.
0: Yeah. My my boyfriend. Um, when we were first seeing each other. I I always have something around mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure is is somehow gentry related. Um, because in whatever house I've lived, there's been something like that. There's either lights in the woods or lights in the woods and little spindly shadow things in the house, something. or both, mm-hmm. or one or the other.
2: Yeah, sometimes they just like a person i i
0: think they do (laughs) i blame mom for naming me morgana (laughs) (laughs) um but it was the first night he stayed at my house overnight and i was asleep and he dozed off and i woke up to him shaking me
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and i was like what and he was like what's whispering in my ears he said, what are you talking about? And he said, there's something whispering right next to my ear. And I'm like, no, there's not. Go to sleep. And he's like, there's something there. And I'm like, it's fine. It's probably just goblins or something. I went back to sleep. <laughs> and he kept, It's fine. And he woke me up another time and was like, something poked me. And I'm like, go to sleep. It's not going <laughs> to hurt you. Don't be scared. And I think this is funny which explains a lot about me. And <laughs> that's probably why they like you. I was about to say might be why they like me. Because it, and but every boyfriend at a certain point early in our relationship would see something. Yeah. Like that. They would see black shadows dart when they would open a they would go in a room and they would see a shadow dart away and they'd be like is there do you have a black cat and I'd be like no I have a brown cat and a white cat and a calico cat but I don't have a little black cat and they'd be like well there's a little black cat in the house and I'd be like no there's not yeah (laughs) and just uh, and it's been every house since I was a little girl Yeah, and probably since before but I can't remember that (laughs) because I was too wee
2: yeah Yeah. sometimes they just like people and is is that a good thing (laughs) no (laughs) I mean, it's a thing, you know? Yeah, it's kind I of. I think awesome. a thing is the
1: best way to just...
2: It's neutral. Yeah. It's neutral. Yeah. That's, what I like to tell people, you know, because if they don't like you, nothing you can do is going to change that. Yeah. Um, And if you're trying to have fairy experience, you're trying to connect to them, and nothing is working, you know, at some point you just have to accept that, you know, they're they are probably you know, doing the whole, it's, it's not me, it's you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just not into it, but there's other people. um, I'm one of these people. It sounds like you're probably one of these people too, that, you know, if they like you, they like you and there's no getting them to not yeah. like you or to go away or i have to be careful how i phrase this
0: yeah um, i don't
2: really so, want them to leave or anything
0: yeah. they, we yeah. seem to coexist comfortably yeah. and i i you know i leave out things on important holidays and if too many of my small items are getting stolen i'm like okay guys i will leave you extra things can i please have my stuff back
2: yeah yeah i want my stuff back because yeah.
0: they, they they steal and it's not my ferrets because I know where their stashes are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my ferrets also steal.
2: Yeah, no, the 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 sort of fairies that you're going to generally have, particularly in houses, um, you know, I would call them house fairies, kind of loosely, are very prone to that. It's one of the ways you can tell if you have them around, your stuff goes missing, and not mm-hmm. in a typical fashion um, and then it usually shows up in a weird way in a yep. weird spot where <laughs> yeah. you
1: either looked for it you know 15 times Yep. Before, or very or conspicuously nobody, yeah <laughs> out in plain sight yeah nobody would put it there you know yeah. we have that in this house
0: i have that and yeah also random laughter <laughs> which all right guys I feel like something is now going to happen to me because we're talking (laughs) about them. And so like I'm looking around my house like, okay, what is going to go missing? Am I going to get poked in the back of the head? (laughs) Something entertaining. (laughs) Something entertaining.
1: So what books would you suggest other than Katherine Briggs and Brian Walsh's book with the text of robert kirk's book in it would you suggest for people i mean other than what you've written i, I know you know i'm gonna list as many of your books as i as are on, you know, i feel bad suggesting
2: my own books because there's way too many of them but um <laughs> if you're interested in more uh like english and british fairies uh john Cruise has a really good book um And I am completely blanking on the title now. And I wrote the foreword for it, so I'm embarrassed that I can't remember what the book is called. Um, But if you look for John Cruise, um, he's got a couple of these self-published. One is called British Fairies, and then he's got a a couple through Llewellyn now. Um, And those those are very good. He's very solid with his research, uh, very reliable in the information he puts out. Um, If you're looking for more... Particular um, approaches to fairies. There really isn't, at this point, a lot um, on the Irish that's not super specific. Patricia Lysat has a book about the banshee, um, which, if that interests you, I highly recommend it. It's, it was her dissertation, and it's huge and and fabulous. Um, Laura O'Brien has a book coming out soon about the um, Irish she, the a she. Um, but it hasn't been published yet. Uh, and otherwise you'd kind of have to either go the more academic route, which yeah. uh, I know doesn't work for everybody. Um, or you can go the more folklore route. You just have to be careful with the folklore books, especially if they're older. Um, you know, there are some good ones out there but uh you know things like everyone recommends the fairy faith in celtic countries i don't hate that book i think the anecdotal accounts are good in it but you know it came out in 1911 it uh is definitely the product of its time and it kind of needs to be read with an understanding of some of the issues that it has um and if you don't kind of understand that i think that it can probably be a little more of a, a problem than a help um there's a newer one called the good people uh, new fairy lore essays which was edited by a man whose last name is narvaez and uh that i would recommend it is more on the academic end so some of the material is a little dense to try to get that through yes it's got a lot of great stuff in it um Sabina Mayoko has a couple articles that are really good. Um, Taming the Fae is one uh, specifically looking at uh, fairies through a neo-pagan lens and kind of how neo-paganism and witchcraft uh, have incorporated specific ideas about fairies. Um, you can find her work up on uh, Academia uh, EDU, uh, which is a, an interesting website it's a good resource um if you can't afford a hundred dollars for an ac- academic book <laughs> it's not a inexpensive hobby yeah um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah those books are yikes um if you do like the academic books i will put out there that paul grave the publisher which has some very good fairy-oriented books um every year around uh, new year's uh between November and New Year's runs a really good sale and their printed books are like $10 each. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It's a beautiful thing because they're normally literally like 90 to yeah. 120. So yeah. I, I wait every year with bated breath for the Palgrave sale. Yeah. Um, that
1: is, that is definitely worthwhile.
2: Yeah. Keep your eye out for it. Um, just search fairies on their website and you'll see that the different things that pop up they're all worth getting um but waiting for the sale is what i recommend yes (laughs) Um, yes yeah
1: definitely so what do you have any um fairy fiction that you other than what you've written because i know you have written some and i'll put that in the show notes (sighs) Are there, you know, books that you recommend that somehow manage to be true to the folklore
2: and yet still original? definitely. um, and i I appreciate the way you phrase the question because there is a lot out there that includes fairies that does neither of those things um, <laughs> to different degrees. Uh, there's a book by uh, Kevin Monwaring called The Knowing. Um, it's based on the story of Reverend Robert Kirk, um, of his life, uh, and then combining that with uh, The Ballad of Tam Lin and bring it kind of into the modern era, um, this idea of this woman whose family line is cursed because she's descended from the human woman who took... Tamlin away from the fairy queen Um, and the fairy queen has cursed them yes yes Um, for everyone familiar with the ballad at the end of the ballad the fairy queen curses the woman Um, in the ballad it seems less like a literal curse so much as a you know damn you for taking him away but in the book they take it as if it was a literal curse and so this woman is kind of dealing with that and unpacking that. And um, I found that the fairies as they were depicted in that book were, were pretty good. Um, there's also a series. It's a young adult series by um, Ruth Long called the Dove Lynn series. And that one, it, it kind of blends fairy folklore and some other folk beliefs and folklore uh, into this story of this, this teenage girl. Cause it's young adult who um goes to Dublin and uh then finds a lot of um things that she didn't know existed. <laughs> I'll put I'm trying to say all this without spoilers. Um, right. And you know, adventures ensue. But uh that's another one I found that the depiction of the the good folk was more accurate than most of what you're gonna find out there. And um Peter O'Gulin has a book called The Call. Um, It's actually a series, I should say, is the second one's called The Invasion, that uh, it's a little dark. I think it's still technically young adult because the main characters are mostly teenagers, but it's an alternate world Ireland where basically um, this event happened and uh, Ireland has been completely cut off from the rest of the world by the she. And... um, every human when they reach a certain age disappears for what seems to be um i think it's three minutes in this world but it's actually a full day in the other world and they either come back dead or um, sometimes changed in various ways and rarely do they just straight up survive um and it's kind of following the main character who's this girl because Ireland is cut off. They don't have modern medicine as much anymore. So she had had polio and um, her legs are uh, non-functional. Basically she's not in a wheelchair. She has braces on her legs, but she, she can't walk very well. She can't run. So everyone's kind of written her off when, you know, this time comes for her and she's taken by the she they're not thinking she's going to survive, um, because of that. And it's sort of her story and how she's preparing for this to happen. And I found that the, the way they were depicted in that, um, definitely a little grim, but, uh, a lot truer, I think, to the folklore. Um, and it's a really interesting story too. So. Okay. Um, those would be my top three recommendations. Excellent. I read a lot of fairy fiction, so. (laughs)
1: yeah i i do too and you know some of it
2: i i really really like but the the folklore is yeah yeah oh you know i'll be the i'll be the first one to admit that some of the series that i like the most are definitely not what i might you know have for top recommendations (laughs) (laughs) right you know but they're fun so
1: yeah yeah definitely well, Morgana, is there anything else you would like to ask Morgan, which is oh. kind of confusing because <laughs> I know
0: <laughs> um, not really, I think. I mean, I, there's like 16,000 million things I want to ask, but as a we need to wind this up sort of question,
1: no. <laughs> so she can get up in the morning Yeah, before um, I turn into a pumpkin tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Well. Is there anything else that you would like to say, Morgan? Um,
2: I sort think we, we got into some really good discussions. Yeah, um, I think so. I know we had briefly mentioned Josh Cutchins, or, or I had briefly mentioned him. I do highly recommend his books, um, yeah. Trojan Feast and Thieves in the Night. Yes. Um, really, really good material in there. And also good for kind of looking at potentially modern... Um, Ways that some of this is still continuing on. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to, I'll leave you all yeah. wondering what I mean so you can go find his books. Right. They are excellent. They are. They are. They they are. are.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm going to uh, recommend everybody to read your books and I will list as many of them as I can find. <laughs> and uh, there's also- too many of them.
2: There's a lot. There's a lot. I
1: really, I've been reading a new dictionary of fairies, a 21st century exploration of Celtic and related Western European fairies. It is, it is a a good heir to uh, Catherine Briggs' Encyclopedia of Fairies. I think. Oh, is, thank you. It is that, a. It is a word. It sits next to it on on
2: my bookshelf.
1: So, that means a lot
2: to me. That book is probably the book I'm the proudest of.
1: And if anything, I've ever very writing. very well written
2: and very
1: clear. You don't you don't stray into academia ease in there, <laughs> but it's still clear that you've read your source material and you know what you're talking about. You're just very good at explaining it so that people with non academic backgrounds can really understand it's accessible. what you mean. It is accessible.
2: That's always been one of my goals writing um because i know uh well i shouldn't say i know that some people have issues reading the academic books i understand that um i'm actually severely dyslexic and i had a lot of trouble learning to read when i was younger uh so i i kind of pride myself or you know try to be that person who helps put things in terms that are a little easier for people who might find the, the really academic material challenging. Because um, okay. I think it's important to to make it accessible. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think you do a very good job with it. Well, and thank you. Just pardon any typos it. in
2: the book. <laughs> any, any, any typos enough. and misspellings there, are entirely are. me. And
0: <laughs> I, I am also dyslexic, so I thank you. And I do like reading academic books, but it I have to read words twice a
2: lot. <laughs> yep yep lots of free reading yes all three Definitely. of us have dyslexia so yeah yeah oh, dyslexics unite or untie yeah. i should say untie, <laughs> untie. <laughs> dyslexic untie. <laughs> yeah
1: all right thank you very much for being here it well, was thank you so for having nice me
2: to have you yes yeah, yeah. was a lot
1: of fun well good you have to come back and we'll even like try to be more focused next time although we had fun <laughs> we We covered
2: a lot of important material so that's what matters well that's all for this week's
1: episode of the six degrees of john keel podcast if you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com we promise to even answer you and we are always happy to hear from you thank you